Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. All right, turn to Acts chapter 2. Thank you, worship team. You guys have been phenomenal. Um, I want to mention one more thing, and this is an announcement. This is an official announcement. On June 9th, and I may have said this wrong in Team Huddle. I think I said June 8th. On June 9th, we start C3 College. Um, we're, we're changing the way the summer looks. Dinner parties are going to be a little bit different. In, in other words, they're going to be voluntary. Uh, we are not necessarily scheduling them. We are not requiring them. Not that... You, Anyways, so they are, uh, they're going to, I promise you there are going to be people getting around the table because that's just kind of a bit of our habit and pattern around this place. Uh, but we wanted to spend the summer almost like, given a little bit of summer school, a little bit of like, hey, let's all get on the same page about what it looks like to lead and serve in uh, the church and what it is to lead and serve in our spheres of influence on the streets that we live and the places we go. And so uh, C3 is the movement we're a part of. Uh, 600 churches around the world started in Sydney, Australia. That may explain a bit of our wild side. And, um, and we absolutely love it. And we think we have some of the best teachers of the Bible and of leadership and, and influence um, in, in the world, quite frankly. And we started listing off all the accomplishments of people within the C3 movement um, that you would never hear about but have made such a dynamic influence on the world around us. Uh, you'd, you'd be blown away. The list would go on and on and on. And so I want to just, I want to mention this to you. Mary and I were going back and forth on this, and I asked some of the team, like, what, what should we do? Um, and so what we're going to do, because of the focus of the summer and the priority of the summer, uh, we are leaning towards maybe doing faith as our course, uh, but I think I'm going to save that. Uh, I think we're going to save that, and we're going to do something called leading yourself. Leading yourself. How many of you know that's, that's a thing? We, uh, we always love to lead others. I love to tell my kids to wake up on time and to do the things they're supposed I don't like doing those things, but I love telling them to do it. Um, uh, some of us, we, we, kind of, we kind of love to be people who lead other people um, and have not yet led our own self. And those who cannot control their own tongue, it's like a city without walls. And so there's, there's this element of the church. Jesus, well, actually, Paul says, humble yourself. Don't, you don't want other people to humble you. You definitely don't want God to do it. Humble yourself before the Lord that he might lift you up. And so there's these elements of personal discipline. How do we lead? How do we relate to others? How, do, how does a leader relate to God? Uh, the one thing I love about this course, we've done it a few different times in our church. It has been redone and retaped. So even if you've done it before, I'm asking anyone and everyone to be a part of it. It's going to happen on June 9th. It is going to be in the building um, every Wednesday night, it'll go basically June through the end of July. It's about eight weeks long, and so we'll do that uh, starting on June 9th, not June 2nd. That's my dad's birthday, plus I didn't want to give you like three days notice. Um, so I told you a little bit about last week. So June 9th, I, would, I just would highly encourage you. It's not as intensive as some have experienced in the past. We'll watch a video together with Pastor Phil Pringle teaching it. Um, and then we'll just have some time of discussion and talk through what those principles are. Um, I want to just tell you that even I know some of the people in the room that have gone through it and the vision that they got for a business they want to start or a dream that they've had for a long time or their understanding of why relating with others is so important or how the prayer life works. This is not one of those that's just like 10 principles of leadership. This is like how do you as a person step up into the purpose and calling God has given you? And I think we all need that. Amen. 
And so starting Wednesday, June 9th, it does have a, a small cost to it, about 15 bucks a person. Uh, but that's because we, we pay for it as well. That doesn't cover the whole cost, but it covers a decent amount. And so we're going to ask everybody to pay 15 bucks. And uh, so we're going to sort all of that out. Uh, but I want you to know that June 9th, dinner parties will shift a little bit. They're still allowed to happen. Uh, but in place of that, um, we're going to do Wednesday nights. I would love to have this room filled with people um, gathering together, talking about what it is to walk in their calling. Amen? All right, so June 9th, uh, I'll have that stuff up on the website by tomorrow. You guys can check it out. Uh, I, we don't have it up yet because Mary and I were still debating <laughs> which one we wanted to do. We knew we were going to do Wednesday nights. We just didn't know which one. And I got a couple people who told me they wanted the other one who I know looking at me right now with disdain. Um, <laughs> I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. We're entering into something on the church calendar called Ordinary Time. Ordinary, ho-hum Average, run-of-the-mill time. Uh, we started the year, the church year, the church calendar, uh, at, with Advent, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Happens every year, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, Advent season starts. We, we ended the year with Christ the King Sunday in 2020. A few weeks after the, the presidential election, we reminded ourselves that Jesus is still king. Amen? It doesn't matter who you supported, Jesus is still king. Politics have become the religion of our day. We think they are our savior. We think they are our moral compass. We think they are the ones who decide how we should act and live. Uh, but we have our move, moving and being in the Holy Spirit. Amen? The church is a counter-narrative, not just, just an extra thing. And so, I, I, I wanna, so we started that Advent, the expectation, the anticipation of the coming king, the savior, then we moved into Christmas time, which is a couple weeks long. Don't tell your kids. Then we moved into Epiphany, uh, and, then, and then we went into Lent, um, all in an expectation of Christ, the King, crucified and resurrected. And then we hit Easter time because it is not a day. It is not even a weekend. It is a season on the church calendar where we talk about what Jesus did. So we did after midnight for five, five or so weeks. And then, and now, we hit Pentecost last Sunday. How many of you were there for last weekend? Wasn't it just morning and night was just unreal. Uh, unreal. And then uh, today, so last week, technically, the start of ordinary time is the Monday after Pentecost Sunday. So you've already been in it for a week. Anybody have an ordinary week? All right, cool. You hit ordinary time. So what happens here is ordinary time, it's really interesting because what happens in ordinary time is that it's, it is half the year. The next kind of season doesn't start until Christ the King, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, at the end of this year. So we are in it, and we're in it for a minute to win it. Uh, and so we are, I, it's my second career. And so we, y'all didn't know, DJ. So, and so, um, and so we, are, we are in ordinary time, and we move into this season, and it's, it's, a, it's a good chunk of the year. So you've done all the festivals. You've done Jesus' birth, right? You've done transfiguration. You've done the cross, the death, burial, resurrection. We've done the ascension. We've done all these things, all these festivals that were remembered, all these things that we did and had and moved. And then you just hit this season where there's none of that. There's some, like, like today could be called Trinity Sunday. You, you, you've got some other kind of church liturgical calendar seasons on it, but none of them are festivals. None of them are really seasons. They're just kind of like, oh, Okay, so we got to wait until Advent hits again for us to really get into. So what do we do with our ordinary time? What do we do with this time? 
And the reality is, is it comes on the heels of Pentecost Sunday for a reason. There's a reason to why it hits this way. This last weekend, uh, not this weekend, but I think it was last weekend. I don't know when it was, but I turned on my HBO Max app because I stole the subscription to a fa- from a family member. And, uh, and I turned it on, and, uh, and there was this Friends reunion. Anybody watched it yet? It's awesome. It's really, really good. And, um, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, I watched this. Uh, some of you are like, I, it's wild to think that people still watch Friends. Um, but the first time in 17 years, they put these six people together for the first time. They hadn't been in the same room since basically the last time the show aired. Um, and they got together, and they started walking through the sets, and they started showing all the different... Does anybody remember the episode where Joey busts into Central Perk Coffee Shop and falls down? Anybody remember that? He trips and just eats it behind the couch? That wasn't supposed to happen. I found that out last night. It wasn't supposed to happen. That was take one of four where everything kept going wrong. And so they just used the first one. You know that time where the two guys fought over the chair and, like, they were fighting over the furniture? It was supposed to be this one take. Like, the whole thing was in the apartment. They didn't go to any other locations because they were trying to keep costs down. It's the one where uh, Joey shows up with all of Chandler's clothes on. Could I be wearing any more clothes? Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you haven't watched it, sh- it's a good show. It's a good show. Uh, and and, and uh, there's this part where they're fighting over, I think it's the same episode, they're fighting over the chair, and, they, and Chandler walks in, and Joey, they lock eyes, and then they, Joey goes and dives for the chair. Do you know he dislocated his shoulder? Like legit, his shoulder comes out of place, and he's like, they had, the, they're supposed to be the cheapest, shortest episode, and it was like the most expensive, longest episode, because he had to take a break. So the sling was real. Like the one where they acted like he fell off the bed. No, he jumped at the chair and dislocated his shoulder. And so they had to work in a sling into the, the episode. All that to say that some things we think are just normal, everyday, ordinary things aren't. They take a lot of intentionality. They take a lot of purpose. Anybody seen the show? Yeah, I watch TV. How it's made? Anybody know how it's made? It's not the one you go looking for. It's the one that finds you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's not the show that you're like, oh, I can't wait to watch how it's made tonight, 7 o'clock, prime time. No, it's the one you're like, what am I watching right now? I can't stop. I didn't know how they made gumballs. What? You actually don't want to know how they make gumballs. It's not good. You're chewing rubber. That's why you shouldn't swallow gumballs. Anyways, point being, every time I watch that show, I'm in awe. I'm blown away. Wait, you did, how did, I've used one of those before. It just seems normal, average, ordinary, commonplace. That's what you have to do to get that in my hands so that I can make spaghetti? I don't know, I'm just trying to think of something. That's how I do yard work every, once every seven and a half months like that's what that's that's how you do that I didn't I didn't I had no idea that the common things in my life were just not that common that the ordinary things in my life are just not meant to be so ordinary I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments especially now with uh with the boys I'll have these moments where uh, we'll be out playing in the cul-de-sac, and I'll just be, I'll be like, I'm done. I don't want to play anymore. 
Um, why do kids have so much energy? Um, you know, and, and I don't want to do it anymore. And then I, 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 there's these moments, these moments of like epiphany where all of a sudden I realize this isn't ordinary. That don't treat this as just average. Make sure you take this and really, really be thankful for it. And it's weird. Like, and you guys have had these moments that have to be revolved around kids where, where you're just going through your day and, and you notice something, the sun or the way your car is actually working and you had nothing to do with it or the way someone was nice to you or there's just these moments. They don't happen every day, but maybe they should where, where you just all of a sudden have this kind of like out-of-body experience where you go, oh, I should be more appreciative of this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They're ordinary things, but they're not so ordinary. They're average things, but they're not average. And sometimes you can look at this ordinary time of the church calendar and kind of go, ah, just whatever, no feast, no, no advent, no, no like thing. And, and it's like, why are we looking at ordinary with disdain? As though we don't like the people who are regularly on time. Or the people who are consistently thankful and gracious. Or who, who often and ordinarily and commonly do what they said they would do. Like we don't, we love when people are that way. We, we love when there's an actual rhythm to our lives. We love when there's something that, that is an anchor in our life. And the, the regular kind of rhythmic happening of our world. And yet we hear these words like ordinary. And we, when we hear them in this type of context, we go, oh, ordinary, boring, lame. Typical, average. Man, I would tell you right now, the, the things that are an issue in most of our lives are not the extraordinary things. They're the ordinary things. The things that cause us the most challenge and most problem, problems are, are not the extraordinary, extraordinary, I wish this was bigger and better and louder and stronger. And all. It's the, just the regular, everyday Ordinary things that you do to make sure that there's space in your life, that there's opportunity in your life, there's margin in your life, there's a heartbeat in your life, there's something about it that God is able to work with. We talked about this last week, that what is continually happening will suddenly happen. And we don't like ordinary, but it's because we don't understand that what goes into the ordinary things are not so ordinary. And really, the, the purpose of this word was not even to, to kind of designate this time as just ho-hum, do whatever, have a good time kind of thing. It was actually because it was ordered. So if you go and look up the church calendar, it'll say first Sunday after Pentecost, second Sunday after Pentecost, third Sunday. It was just simply that it had an order to it. It was one, two, three, four, five. It was, it was that. That was all it was. You get all the way to Christ the King, and you're at 25th Sunday after Pentecost. It's just order. And order is important. There was something about the rhythm and the patterns of the early church that also changed the posture of the early church. And when you look at how it was made, you begin to realize that it's not as average as you think it is. In fact, if we could be, as the church, more like the ordinary early church, we would see more of the things that the early church did. 
Um, did, did anybody have the poster on the wall in one of your classes at some point about how um, extraordinary just means adding a little extra to your ordinary or something like that? It goes something like that. It's like shoot for the stars, you'll at least land on the moon or something. I don't know. And uh, it, to see the extraordinary supernatural things, it is, it is to simply add some things to what is normal, to, 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 to maybe heighten the expectation. And so I want to read Acts chapter 2 because what happens after Pentecost? What happens after these 70 or so disciples are sitting in the upper room and, and, uh, and the, the wind blows and the fire falls and then Peter, you know, the one who always speaks up first, begins to preach. Actually, they're all praying in tongues in other languages and, and this cosmopolitan crowd, this group of people that are from all over the place, all different regions have come into Jerusalem. It's the biggest festival and it's the last day of the biggest festival and all of a sudden, this loud wind, and the, we talked about this last week, the Holy Spirit is the cousin who shows up at the party and always makes up stir, right? Jesus comes humbly as a baby in a manger, and the Holy Spirit's like, yo, I can top that. And so the Holy Spirit shows up, just everything goes crazy. Everybody hears this loud noise, they all come to this deal, they look up at the balcony, and Peter begins to preach the gospel, preach the good news. Because ultimately, the Holy Spirit is about you seeing Jesus and teaching Jesus. It, that we would look upon him and look more like him. So the Holy Spirit shows up in some really powerful ways, right? And Acts chapter 2, and you've heard, you've probably heard this if you've grown up in church or you, or you hear these references, like, why don't we just go back to being what the early church was? And so we always read like one verse, and, and we read Acts 2. And, and at the very end, and what happens after Pentecost? What happens to this community of believers? And I want, I want to remind you, sometimes we just think these were already all friends. They all had it together, and everything was good, and they all liked each other, and no one ever did anything wrong, and community was perfect back then, and that now we're just not as good as people, and so community can't work as well. And we've got all these assumptions. We have these assumptions that these people were lifelong friends, and so this wasn't that special. But the reality is these are people, and some, uh, some uh, commentaries would tell you that, that these are people who had places to go back to, but they never did. Or if they did go back to those places, they found people who were at that day, and they began to build this community around what God had done in that moment. So these are, these are in some ways, these are strangers who became neighbors and neighbors who became friends. These are people who began to build their life upon something different, something completely different. And remember that the message of Jesus had already been a bit countercultural. They had already been a bit um, outside the bounds. In fact, that's why Jesus is crucified, right? He's, he's starting something new. And so the disciples are carrying that on because God breathed on it. All right. So Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 46, I believe, 41. Um, did I give you 41? I think I just gave you 42. All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. That means relationship. That means doing life together. I know you hear that on church uh, uh, promos all the time, do life together. But it is one of the things they devoted themselves to. Fellowship. To the breaking of bread. That's basically communion, but you can expand that into um, overall relationship and dinner together. And then it says, and to the prayers, the prayers. There were kind of given prayers that they would pray. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And a lot of times, that'll be the one verse people read. This is what the early church did, these four things. 
Um, but that's, I don't see that to be the limit of what they do. I think it is the basis for sure. That's probably the rhythm and the pattern of their lives. We talk a lot about that in, our, in this church, the pattern of our life. Uh, but you see some other things that begin to happen. Verse 43, then fear came over the, everyone, all, wonder. And many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. There's something really unique about the church in that it is an embodied, incarnated community. There is, there is a, in, in a world of individualization, in a world of being apart and somehow still believing that we're together, in a world of kind of living through other mediums of connection, whether it be uh, social media or uh, video games, and I'm not getting into all those things, I'm not condemning any of that. I'm simply saying that in a world that has allowed those to become, become primary and, for some of us, have believed them to be sufficient, the church continues to push against that. That's why even when COVID hit and everybody goes, well, we'll, we'll just come up with a new way to do church. I mean, sure, uh, but the church has been doing what the church has been doing for like 2,000 years, uh, and we've had some bad moments and bad things, and we've always come back together because one of the primary uh, characteristics of the church is that it is embodied in its people that we would come together, gather together, even in the midst of difficult seasons and challenging times, and we would be one, all together in one place. It is the hallmark of the church that it would bring people from all walks of life, from all different places, from all different seasons, into the same place that we might lift up one Savior. It's the embodied church. All right, let's keep reading. Now all the believers were together. Uh, and held all things in common, held all things in common, held all things in common. Fight for unity of the Spirit. That is, a, that is a primary message of the good news of Jesus. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. We'll skip that one. Verse 46. Verse 46, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude. Come on, attitude matters. Praising God and having favor with all people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. I'm just going to read that again. I want you to begin to think about what the church looks like. I want you to begin to think about what it looks like after Pentecost. You ready? All right. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Devoted, gave themselves fully to the fellowship, to being, doing life with people. Doing life not only just with random people, with, with people who, who are calling on the same name, who are believing in the same name. No, that doesn't mean exclusive, but it does mean intentional. To the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Then fear, or awe, came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together, held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joy and humility, praising God and having favor with all people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Martin Lloyd-Jones Lloyd says this, The glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. 
that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. It's a beautiful thing to realize that our community is meant to tell a counter-narrative. There are whole lots of meta-narratives. That means this kind of big-picture narrative over many of us, whether it be a, different, a certain country or a certain region or just in the world system of doing things that say certain things about how we should live and how we should do things. And it has become increasingly individualistic. It has become more and more this kind of modern view of self that whatever is mine is, the, the, is applicable across all. It, it, whatever is my view on things is how all things should look. Whatever I have seen or experienced should be how everybody else understands it. And the reality is we need community for that very reason, to understand that I, my truth can't be your truth and your truth can't be my truth unless our truth is outside of one another, but it is rested upon Jesus. Now that doesn't mean that's easy. It means we have to be good listeners because there's truth in people's story without question. But the whole truth, what an arrogant thing, to think that the whole truth of life exists in me. And everything I've experienced is the truth. If you have ever seen two children next to each other who walk through the same experience of punching one another, and then they both tell you why, you will know they both don't tell you the whole. If you watched it happen... And so many of us are going through life with different experiences and different things and saying, yeah, but this is how it looks. This is how it goes. And community is meant to be people who sharpen one another, who help one another, who adjust each other's posture, who, as I like to say, hand one another a Snickers bar when you're not being yourself. But we don't point to the truth that I can give you because I've discovered it and I'm smart and I understand. No, we point to the truth that you and I both build our life upon, which is the cornerstone of Christ. So here's this community of people. There's a story in the book called Beauty Saves the World, uh, which I've only read the introduction because my library stopped carrying it, and it just took it off my Libby app. It sucked. It was terrible. And, um, but the story talks about the Byzantine Empire, and the Byzantine Empire being one of uh, curiosity. It was one that wanted to know, how do you get to the best life? How do you figure out all this? So they would go and pull from all different kinds of religions and, and, and uh, worldviews, and they would pull all these different things. And at one time, there's a king who sent out uh, his, his, his guys. They were going to go search for the truth. They're going to go search for the best way of life. And, and they came back after a couple years, and they came back talking about the Christian world. They began to talk about this God. They began to talk about this community of people that seemed to live differently. And the way they described it was not even based on truth or intellectual activity, and, and, or, and which was a prized possession. This idea that we could be smarter than other people, higher on the intellectual scale than other people. But they described it by simply saying it was the most beautiful community we'd ever witnessed. See, I believe God cares about how things look. Not in the way the world cares about how it looks. I mean, God cares about order and detail. I mean, my goodness, he planted all kinds of trees and put a bunch of animals, and, they, and he goes, hey, why don't you name these? There's, there's a purpose to this. There's a, I mean, there's a whole book in the Bible that's all about how you should do everyday life. It's the one you don't read. Leviticus, Numbers, you know, the one that's in the, like, the one-year Bible you wait till like, at least April to start reading, 
right? It's, it's, it's those. God cares about order, absolutely. And there's beauty in a community of people. You ever been around a family that just seems to always like each other? It's obnoxious, I understand, but it's also beautiful. It's also like, oh, I wish we could all do that. I wish we could all live like that. That doesn't mean that that family doesn't have issues and things to work through and things they've talked about. The chances are they actually have. Chances are that they've, they've created an environment where they can do relationship and realize that relationship isn't always sunshine and roses. That community is sometimes forgiveness. That community is sometimes talking through the difficult things. That community is being honest with one another. That community is serving one another even when we don't like to because it's built on sacrificial love. The community is so distinct and different. The the community that is built upon the self-sacrificial kind of love that Jesus models for us, it, it stands out in a crowd. And what we think is ordinary is just not so ordinary. That if we could see what the church is meant to look like, I read this quote, um, in fact, this was yesterday, and I wanted to mention it. The church appeal comes insofar as it offers something different. A reprieve from the world, a sanctuary from ourselves. The church that will change the world is one that provides a refreshing alternative to, rather than an uncritical affirmation of, the way things already are. See, God's moving us as a church, not just C3 Fort Worth, but as the church, to always bring heaven to earth because we have a picture of how things could be. Because we actually have a narrative of how things could work. What happens after Pentecost? We live ordinary time in an unordinary way. We live normal lives in an abnormal way. We do not allow the narratives that are said in culture that you've got to pick a side or that you've got to impress or that somehow you got to lord your opinion or your title over people. But know that you would be like the one who would put himself on a cross that all might gain entry. The one who would bless with the gospel of peace. The one who would create a body that works together each and every day, each and every week. I, I always love reading Acts 2 because it says, um, it says that they would meet at the temple every day day and then they would meet each other at the house every day it's it's an interesting thing to be in a culture that finds it difficult finds it hard to be around each other more than once a week that we've become so busy with some other narrative with some other idea of what success looks like of some other kind of individual way in which we, we get to our house, open the garage, and make sure once we get in the garage, we shut that garage, the doors are shut. And our house, and I'm not joking, this is, and this is not because we're good at this, I'm just saying this is, our blinds are open, our front door is open, the screen door is shut because it gets hot in Texas, but the, the, the door is open, and half the time if you pull up on our house, and some of you know this because you've shown up at my house, the garage is open. It's just always open. We, we just, I, and we leave, we, we don't shut the blinds till we go to bed. They know what's happening in our house. I know that's weird. They see when I peek out there, I'm like, what are y'all doing? They see that. But the reality of our lives as believers is we have such grace that we can live openly. We understand who 
created our identity so we can live securely. We know how things can go in the kingdom so we live like we are in the kingdom with grace and forgiveness and hope and joy. Man, I would love for people to know the church by their joy and their humility. I would love for people to know the church by signs and wonders. I would love for people to know the church because of how well they share. Because they understand that the king is still the king. And that's what happens when you begin to understand that Jesus rose. The disciples changed because Jesus rose, the Holy Spirit descended, and now they're living in a very different way. What would happen if you woke up tomorrow and said today isn't normal? What would happen tomorrow if you woke up and said this ordinary day is not so ordinary? That the sun rose? That's not ordinary. Maybe it's normal, but it's not normal. Maybe it's what you're used to, but it shouldn't be something you get used to. That you have breath in your lungs. That's crazy. The fact that while you've been sitting here, you've blinked 17 times and didn't even know it. Your heart has beated. I don't know how many times because I can't do that kind of math. But the reality is your heart is beating. You're listening. I don't, there's noises coming out of my mouth being amplified and somehow they're traveling through the air and you're getting them computing them and understanding most of them because I'm not sure all what I've said and you are and you are able to realize as believers as the one whose God said sun moon night day land sea body breath heart hand move be do Live, have your being in me. This isn't ordinary. This isn't ordinary. The church is not normal. I hope someday that people peel back the lid, peel back the cover on what this place is, C3 Fort Worth, and say, oh, I never knew. I never knew. I didn't know it took that. I didn't know it took that everyday kind of forgiveness, that 70 times 7 forgiveness. I didn't know it took that confession of faith. I didn't know it took humility. I didn't know all of that. They just looked like they had it all together. They just looked like they obviously had all the right people at the right time. and They didn't do anything to make it work. No. No. We are a Holy Spirit empowered, Jesus-centered, God-glorifying, intentional people that want to see signs, wonders, humility, joy. We want to see the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, prayer, so that in being so different, we actually attract people. We are offering an alternative. See, the culture has tapped into this kind of difference. They will create celebrities who don't dress like that when you're not looking. They may not even... Do you ever notice that once a, uh, once a musician gets firmly established, they start playing the music they like? 
It's weird, right? Wait, all of a sudden you like that? No, they always did. But they knew what you would listen to. They knew what would make the money and do the stuff. Be different. Step outside the lines. Push as far as you can. How about church? How about church? Hey, hey, let's take our rightful place. Let's be so different, so forgiving, so loving, so gracious, so willing to go to church every single day tomorrow, 10 a.m. Y'all ready? Hey, John's working, but we'll work on it. We'll work on it. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Y'all take your day. But I want you to understand, we are meant to be people, a community that looks so different from the world that it is so attractive to the world and so ready for the world to show up because we're here. We're ready for you. We love you. Come on, let's be spirit-empowered, amen, to be, to be different even in the indifferent, to be, to be unordinary even in the ordinary. Tomorrow, listen, hear me, Monday is not normal. Quit treating it that way. Quit treating tomorrow normal. Wake up. Ask the Holy Spirit to show up. Look at the sunrise. I know that might be a stretch for some of you. Watch the sun rise some more. And say, God, this isn't normal. And I won't treat it that way. What do you want to do? Let's go do that. Why don't you bow your heads? Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this church and this community. I thank you for what you're building in this place. I thank you for what you want to build in this place. And I, right now, along with many in this room, I know it, are saying, we aren't going to be ordinary. And no, that doesn't mean we're going to try and achieve something. It means that we are going to base our life upon the foundations of Jesus. That we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. That we're going to move and have our being in And that we will no longer treat our Sunday gathering as normal. We will no longer treat our Monday mornings as normal. We will not treat our dinner parties as normal. We will not treat these interactions with strangers as ordinary. But that we will understand that the ordinary for us is so outside the norm. And I pray we would take that on. Today, if some of you are going, man, I want to be a part of a church like that. I want to be a part of a community of people, not just C3 Fort Worth, but the church all over the world that says the table is open, that the, that, that the church is ready, that we are presenting an alternative way to live and be human. And you're going, I want to find that. Will you find that in Jesus? You find it in Jesus. You find it in Jesus. Today, right now, would you just pray this prayer wherever you are at? If you want to go, I'm in that. I want to be a part of that body. I want to be part of that community. Right now, would you just say, God, I give you my life. God, I give you my life. Thank you, Jesus for forgiving, giving grace to every area, to every shadow of my life, to every dark place in my world. God, you give me grace. God, I thank you right now that you light it up, that you are with me, for me, that you are with us and you are for us. And I give you my life. I thank you for giving me yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.